Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Sense and Theory podcast. I'm Theory. I'm Sense. And today is a very special episode. It's episode number 10. Woo-woo! <laughs> yeah, we, uh, we wanted to do something special today, so we actually have a guest with us today. Um, uh, you may have heard him from uh, you know such places as the end of episode 5 or the end of episode 8. That's right. It's world-class producer and fact-checker extraordinaire, Beanzo. Beanzo, welcome to the show, man. How you doing today? Hey, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me, fellas. No problem. <laughs> uh, so today we're going to talk about a really, really difficult issue um, and one that uh, we probably all have some sort of personal experience with. I mean, I know I do. Um, friends and family have all been touched by the scourge that is heroin. Yeah, it's uh, especially the... Uh, you know, you get into pain pills and how it's morphed into, you know, a, a new heroin epidemic. And it's hard to find anybody, especially, you know, we live here in Kentucky. It's hard to find anybody uh, that hasn't been touched by All this. across the Midwest, in fact. Absolutely. Um, you know, I think I remember when I was in school, like, I remember how it, like, it slowly set on. I remember, like, you know, first I, I heard people talking about, you know, Percocets or, oh, yeah. or Xanax. Oxycontin was real yeah. big for a while. Next thing you know, mm. it shifted into Oxycontin, and now it's just you've got fentanyl, and it's blown into, uh, it, well, it's just ravaging places. It is. Uh, it absolutely is. desolating them. So you may be asking yourself, like, why do we have Beanzo on the show today? And, well, Beanzo is one of the only survivors of heroin that I know. Yeah. Um. It's they're very few and far between. They die. They they go to prison. Um, Beans, you came out of this, and uh, now here you are on the other side. Yeah, um, actually, uh, eleven years off of heroin this uh, this summer. Eleven years clean. Uh, yeah. yeah, man. Congratulations. Thank man. you. Congratulations. Um, so I want to talk a little bit initially about like how heroin appeared to us as kids because I feel like when I was a kid anyway heroin was like that one that you never did you know like even we might we might smoke some weed or we might pop some pills we found in, in grandma's medicine cabinet or whatever but like but heroin you know we looked at you sideways like like you were crazy and then like Pulp Fiction came out mm -hmm. you know and 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 Pulp Fiction wasn't a, a glamorization of heroin at all it was like yeah. It was like a reality check. Like, you don't do that shit. That'll fuck yeah. you up. Like, Beans, do you remember what, what heroin looked like when you were a kid? I mean, I mean, I remember watching the Basketball Diaries, and, you know, that's pretty self-explanatory. You know, guy's on a path to playing pro basketball and goes to a nice private school, and by the end of it, he's giving blowjobs and alleys for heroin. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean... He, you know, completely destroyed his life on it. So. Well, that's that's kind of one of the things that, like, I, I I had a little bit different experience. Like when I was when I was a kid, I actually I got sick one time. I think I was five or six, and um, I had to take codeine cough syrup, right? And I think, especially with the way that I smoke cigarettes, I'm almost certain that the fact that I had a severe allergic reaction to this codeine cough syrup, like, ended up saving my life. Because when I got of age in high school, I was afraid to do any pills. You know, people were like, hey, you want to try this pill? And I was like, ah, I don't know if it's got codeine in it, you know. So I stayed away from it and everything. But one of the things that I always wondered is, like he said, I mean, when I was a kid, there was heroin and crack. Those two were above and beyond 
Like you just, you know, if, if, if you smoke crack, it's new Jack city. If, if you do heroin, <laughs> it's like you said, it's basketball diaries. So how exactly, like, I've always wondered what was the thought process? Like the first time that you, that you tried or, or did heroin? Uh, basically my thought process was I can't afford Oxycontin anymore. And <laughs> heroin's the same thing, only stronger and cheaper. Yeah. And that was my thought process because I was addicted to the Oxycontin. I needed to get high off something, but I couldn't afford to pay a hundred or a hundred and twenty dollars for one pill when I needed four or five to even feel it. Yeah, so, or even just to so get well. The like the so everything that you saw in in the basketball diaries and all that stuff, all that stuff just like went out the window. I mean, it, yeah, it just, I was, yeah, I was addicted to opiates and I needed opiates, and yeah. heroin was the only one I could afford. Nothing else mattered, and that, and that would actually get me high. And that's well, funny because like there's this I see this period of time where like. We started guarding poppy fields in Afghanistan, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden there was this big governmental push to like close down the pill mills, and they were talking about people doctor shopping in Florida and whatnot. Oh, we got to end this. We got to end this. So the pills dried up, and and I think that was the thought process of a lot of people who were addicted. Were like, I I need to get high, and then and the heroin's cheaper, right? Way cheaper and way stronger. So once you once you cross that bridge and you go like, okay, well, I need to get high and heroin's the way to do it. And you go, holy shit, I'm high for $20 instead of high for $100. Like, that's a that's at kind first. of a major draw, right? <laughs> at, at first. <laughs> what do you mean at first? What do you mean at uh, first? Well, basically, the more that stuff you do, the more you need to do to A, get a buzz, and B, just not be dope sick. Yeah. Uh, so your tolerance ramps up like really fast. Yeah, and once you start doing heroin, <coughs> you know, regular pharmaceuticals just don't do anything anymore. Uh, let me put it this way. Uh, the last time I did Oxycontin, uh, I'd, you know, already been doing IV heroin for several years at this point. And I remember someone owed me money and gave me four Oxycontin 80s. And for those of you who don't know, Oxycontin 80s are generally generally reserved for cancer patients and the terminally ill. Yeah. Uh, one Oxycontin 80 to someone with no tolerance probably will kill them. Will close, most likely send them to, to the it. hospital. Yeah. You know, yeah. um, last time I did Oxycontin after doing IV heroin for several years, I shot four Oxycontin eighties, which is about enough to kill a, you know, average American family. Not to mention like, a dollar a milligram, right? That's eighty bucks a pill on yeah. the street. So, like, so I did three hundred three one twenty dollars yeah. worth in of one shot of drugs. And the sad part was, didn't even get me feeling better. I was still dope sick after shooting four oxycotton eighties. That's how much stronger than oxycotton heroin is. Wow, and cheaper. So, like, what? Way so, cheap. what was your dollar fix in heroin at that point? Like, if it was three three twenty, didn't touch your Jones. You know, however, however much money I had. I mean, would a hundred dollar would a hundred dollar bag? If I got a hundred dollars, I'm spending it. <laughs> would it get, would it get if you I got if I got two hundred dollars, I'm spending it. <laughs> any yeah. amount of money. Uh, what happens if you have no money? I mean, um, you weren't the type to like go rob people. I know a lot of a lot of people I know have ended up in prison for you know stealing building supplies and shit. Like, yeah, I, I uh, sold drugs to get drugs, uh-huh. and hmm. uh, didn't do a very good job at it either. So we'll oh, I think <laughs> we'll talk about that later because you actually you you did end up in prison, yeah. Uh, ended up in jail. In jail. I'm oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, we'll, we'll cover that in a minute. I, I want to jump back for a second and, and talk about how big of a problem this really is. Cause I think I've got a feeling every single one of our listeners 
probably at least, at the very least, knows someone who knows someone uh, that's been affected. Well, you know, you know, you know what I think is an interesting way to kind of track it. Um, one of the side effects of the the opioid epidemic and stuff is the amazing amount of grandparents who have had to adopt uh, their grandchildren because you know the parents are are you know in the junkies. grips of addiction. They're junkies. They're in jail. You know what have you. And we're actually now there is a program uh, in uh, what it was in family court uh, specifically for supporting grandparents who are raising their children. Holy smokes! So like we have created, and in fact, just in my life, like I can name you know five instances of grandparents who have officially adopted their, their because their of because of opiate addiction because, specifically. specifically because of opioid addiction. Man, so it's 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 touching every it's it's touching people like sometimes. You know, you may not even realize it. You're just like, oh, well, he's raising his, his grandkids or whatever. You know, oh, it's great. But yeah, you, you don't know. stop and ask why. Yeah, yeah. That's well, I, I mean, another <laughs> another telling figure is twenty thousand one hundred and one overdose overdose deaths related to prescription pain relievers, and twelve thousand nine hundred and ninety overdose deaths related to heroin in twenty fifteen. Mm. Like that's huge. We talked about some numbers of things that kill people in in the guns episode. Yeah. And this is far and away well, beyond and, those and it's numbers. Rising because if you look at uh, 2016, that's where uh, we see fentanyl were, creeping in. There were 64,000 drug overdose. Now that's all drugs, right? But of the 64,000 drug overdose deaths in 2016, 19,000 of them were fentanyl or Holy opioid related. Shit. Netflix did so, an I mean, awesome. That's a third. They did know? an awesome documentary on on the fentanyl. Uh, the fentanyl issue, I guess, and, and heroin in general. And there was a scene with a dealer that that was, you know, cutting up cutting up heroin with fentanyl. And he was saying, well, it's great, man. When a junkie dies, all the junkies on the block, they line up. You know, they're like, that's the good stuff. And, and they don't give a shit. They just want to come buy the good dope. Like, so so if someone dies, it's actually good for the market. Uh, wow. drug, drug dealers in big cities have actually, you know, before the fentanyl thing happened, been known to cook up what they would call hot shots. And they would, you know, have a bag of dope that's poisoned, you know. To so specifically that, to drop specific somebody. To specifically wow. kill somebody so they can be like, oh, he got the good shit over there on 3rd Gnome. You know what I'm saying? Holy so shit. And now they don't even have to do that because it'll damn near kill you you know, at a roll of the dice anyway. And to me, like, we're talking about a, a drug war here. We've been waging a drug war for how many years and and obviously failing magnanimously. Yeah. I mean, there's no question about that. We're failing. What, to me, like, legalization of this would would solve almost all of the problems with drugs. I mean, maybe more people would use drugs. I don't know. But you would not have dealers giving hot shots yeah. if we were selling it heroin. It would at least help in that regard. Yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. saying, man. I'm saying, and that's not what we're here to talk about today. But uh, maybe, maybe on another show, we'll, well, we'll you talk know, about you know that. what I found interesting about um, what what Beanzo just said. I, I hadn't really, I hadn't really put that together. But I didn't. I never thought about it in in uh, regards to him being so addicted to painkillers already that the jump to heroin was was nothing. I mean, like I, as much as I was around it, like I should have known that. I should have thought about that, but I didn't really think about it. And 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 painkillers. I mean, uh, you know, we got we got a thing here. It says four in five new heroin users uh, started out misusing prescription painkillers. That's right. And so if you're, 
conducting, you know, a war on drugs or whatever. But at the same time, we have pill companies. I think, uh, uh, don't you? Don't oh, you have a Bashir. Story there? Oh, Bashir. Um, just uh, and Bashir's a Kentucky senator. He's, He's a, a yeah, attorney general. Attorney general. Okay, he just uh, filed lawsuit against several corporations uh, for distributing pills. And, and one of them, I think it's pronounced McKesson Corporate, Corporation, distributed enough for 477 pills for every adult and child in Floyd County. Yeah. And, and, and Bashir is going like, you guys should have known. Yeah, not not was, only should you have known, but you had to know. Yeah, there was like, there was also a story there just two weeks ago, and uh, it's in West Virginia, and there's a town in West Virginia, population of 2,000 people, and some pill company had sent 2.4 million pain pills Holy to this county. Holy shit. So, yeah, I mean, like, the idea that... You I, know, I mean, they're not just people in pain. Like, it's yeah. that's far, far and away beyond treatment numbers. And someone is looking at those numbers at the company, and, and they don't give a shit. Yeah. You know, it's their job to give a shit, and they don't. Yeah. Um, and maybe it's not their job. Well, not to mention, shit. I mean, I know. I, you know, you say the company, and that's true. But also, I mean, you know, the, the pills are regulated, are they not? Like, you have to have a license to even prescribe sure. them, to have them. Yeah. So who else knows that there's 2.4 million pills going to this county? That's a good point. And the, isn't doing the, a damn thing. The doctors in that county all, are also... Well, no, 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 I'm not talking about the doctors. I'm talking about the DEA who issues the licenses oh. and all that stuff. And the they FDA. Know the, yeah, they, and the FDA. They know those pills are going there. So that's and actually three levels so why deep. So is why is it on Andy Bashir? To start this this lawsuit, I'll tell you, know what you I'm why. Saying? It's because the FDA regulates itself. You know, all mm. presidents, Democrat and Republican, appoint you know former executives of massive pharmaceutical companies to decide which drugs get ding, to get ding, released. Ding. <laughs> ding ding ding! I think you're on to something there, Beans. For real, for real. We're we're not going to get into the conspiracy theories yeah, no, though on this no, show. No, that's that's not what this actually. Show's about. Why don't we? Uh, uh, why don't we shift for a minute? Uh, so we're talking about pain pills, and, and that's kind of insidious because even people who didn't, you know, we're talking about beans, obviously, and, and the people I'm talking about when I was in high school, they started out to abuse pain, uh, pain pills. Sure. However, there's also stories of, of people who, you know, they, they get ill and, and they start taking pain pills, and before I, you know it, they actually. I have my own story. I mean, I, I had a, a cancerous tumor removed from, from my leg, from my knee, um, big chunk of nasty bone and the doc prescribed me to a hundred milligrams of Oxycontin a day. And I don't know about y'all, but Oxycontin is actually uh, a lot of fun. It turns out when you're laid up in bed. So I was taking more than I should have. And by the end, the doctor cut me off and I went through the most terrible withdrawals imaginable. I mean, I was like rocking back and forth in the bathroom at four o'clock at night uh, with the shower on as hot as it could get until the water was cold. And then I'd rock and rock and rock until the hot water came back and do it all over again all night long until I might finally get two hours of sleep and wake back up in hell. Like that lasted for a week and a half, you know, yeah. 10 days. Uh, and, and at that point, like, I would have done anything. I was looking through my phone like, do I have any junky friends left in my phone? Yeah. Fortunately, I'd cut them all off by that time. But yeah. um, it was just, it was a real eye-opener. And it took 10 days to get back to any sort of sense of normalcy. And thank God the doctor didn't um, 
didn't just write me more prescriptions because I asked. Yeah. I was calling him like, no, man, uh, I really hurt. I need these, you know. And, that, of course, well, he knew what was going on. That's what I was going to say. I mean, you know, the I, I don't think the average person is, is going to go through all that. And they are going to go back to the doctor. And some people... Um, you know, especially, you know, let's, let's talk for a second. The opioid epidemic seems to be hitting, uh, white people the hardest. Whereas at the same time, uh, there's actually an epidemic, uh, that's, it's kind of cropped back up among, uh, black people with cocaine, but you know, the the opioid, uh, epidemic is hitting white people the most. And if, you know, you're a, a suburban mom, and you have anything done, and then you get hooked on these pain pills, you don't have anybody that you can, you know, go and look for or call or stuff. So you're going to go back in there, and you're going to browbeat that doctor until you get another prescription. Absolutely. And that injects more pills into your house for Tommy to find and take to school. I mean, that's, you know, let's let's face it, in high school, that's where all those pills were coming from. And the interesting thing about pills, like, means think back to when you were in high school, you know, do you think you would have started if you had started with heroin? You know what I'm saying? If the stigma attached to heroin and needles was like, uh, was there with the pills, would you have still done it? I mean, a pill, it's in a nice white clean package and it's from the doctor and you know, it's pure. So it's, it's almost like a different, it feels like a different beast to a teenager. Well, for one thing, I don't think I could get heroin in high school. I could get about anything else. But, you know, we don't live in a major metropolitan area. And back when we were in high school, that's where you had to go to get it. When I was uh, an active junkie, I would have to drive to Cincinnati every single day. And this is just, you were driving I don't know, to 11 years ago. from Lexington every single day. Every single day. Wow. Holy smoke. That's like so, sometimes hour and hour and 20 minutes. Sometimes I'd drive twice if I could get more, more money up to go back and get more. So where, I mean, were you like, were you like, you know, cruising the cruising the hood, like looking for the guy with the spoon scratching his head in, in Cincy? Like, um, I actually had several dealers that I would call, and I would rotate because I'd owe some of them money. And when I couldn't get a hold of anyone, then of course I'm going to go down to the ghetto. Wow. Yeah. Well, you got any crazy stories for us? Like, uh, Several. I have one off the top of my head uh, that was pretty crazy. Uh, went down there with a guy, a buddy of mine, and... This guy's from a much smaller town in Kentucky and had moved to Lexington. So he's never seen anything like the worst ghetto in Cincinnati um, because he's from the country. And we were in the worst ghetto in Cincinnati. It's called Over the Rhine. Google search it. I'm sure you can find many crazy tales. Check it out on Google Maps. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Check it out on Google Maps. It's, you know, a terrible, terrible ghetto full of, you know, impoverished people and drug dealers. So there was a, a couple certain streets that everyone knew that's where the the heroin people were and i'd say it was about 11 o'clock at night and you know riding through the hood with this country boy and usually when i would go down there i would only have out as much money as i wanted to spend yeah right so if i wanted to spend 50 i didn't want to pull out all my cash right because i didn't want him to see i had more cash yeah right so this one time i was incredibly dope sick desperate you know and uh go up there find some guy standing on the corner you know, I pull my money out of my pocket, and he sees a $100 bill in there. That's not what I was spending because I was saving that until I could get to my actual dealer because more often than not, you get fake stuff on the street. So, uh, you know, we did our exchange. I looked at what he handed me. It was 100% fake. I knew that from looking at it, and I said, hey, buddy, this is fake. Give me my money back. Well, 
Turns out he didn't want to give me my money back. <laughs> Say it ain't Imagine so. that. <laughs> Instead, he uh, jumps in the back of the car, pulls out a pistol, and points it at me. He was like, get, now give me all your money. Talking about his, his name was Tony and didn't no one fuck with Tony. Nobody fucks with Tony, and boy. So I, I've got a pistol, a silver pistol pointed at me, and uh, he's demanded my money. I know he saw the hundred dollars because I saw yeah, him see it. Yeah. And being the junkie that I was, I wasn't about to come up off the only money that could possibly get me out of dope sick hell. Yes. For real, you I, challenged Tony I, 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 with I, a pistol I lied, to your head. I lied to Tony and told him he already got all my money. And he said, no, what about that $100? <laughs> and I said, I don't have any more money. You already got it all. And he had a buddy with him that was like, come on, man, come on, let's go. Like, we got enough already. And fortunately, Tony didn't shoot me that day. So, yeah, you basically just lucked out. I mean, because... Yeah. 100%. I could have wow. been shot full of holes, wrapped in a rug, like, and thrown in a dumpster. I feel like the average person not being addicted... To, to heroin or, or opiates. They'd given Tony the money. That, well, they'd given yeah. Tony, Tony the money, but they would never go back again. Yeah. yeah. And really, you'd think, like, that would be enough to kickstart you onto some sort of path towards getting better. You know what I'm saying? Was that, like, was that towards the end, or is this... Or no, did you continue I, to I, do I still had to get many, heroin. Many I was dope sick. Yeah. See, I remember... I remember the beans uh, that was not a heroin addict... And then there's this like really dark period where, uh, where we had to kind of cut you out of our lives and stop answering phone calls and, um, you know, you just always nodding out, drooling on yourself when we yeah. saw you. Like now, I remember, I remember the day actually. You know, Beanzo. Uh, you know, we are the the washed up rappers, and actually, Beanzo was a part of that. And I remember, uh, I remember when we had to sit him down and tell him he couldn't be in the group anymore. Yeah, and that was. Uh, Man, that was painful. You know what I mean? <laughs> like it sucked because I, you know, because like you, you actually what actually made it worse was that you got it, that like you understood, like because like you kind of you were uh, you were cooler about it than I ever thought you were gonna be, and I remember sitting down and we were like, hey, hey, man, you know, you're all over the place on stage when we're doing shows, and you know, it's just, it's just not gonna work. And you were like, yeah, yeah, no, you're right. And I was just like, oh man, because I realized at that point that you knew it's just you'd accepted it. Like, it was like there was nothing you... Is, is that how it felt? I mean, uh, sort of. Uh, part of it, too, is that when you're on heroin, you don't really feel anything. You yeah. don't get happy, except for getting heroin and doing heroin, or getting money to do heroin. But when you're on heroin, you don't get happy, you don't get sad, you don't get angry. Did you you're, still tell your mom you love her? Um, I didn't really talk to my mom a whole lot when I was a junkie, unless I needed something. Like money, mainly? Yeah, or a ride, or, you know, needed something in some sort of monetary fashion. Yeah. And how how long... So, I should know this. I mean, we're close friends. Um, but for for the listeners who, who don't know you, like, how long did your did your addiction last? Um, to the best of my recollection, I would have to estimate it at between six and seven years. Six and seven years, and 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 I, re I mean, started in high school, right? Uh, no, it started after, after you high school. Out of high school, you would yeah. have still been in high school though, had you not dropped out, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, 
you were 17, 18, right? Yeah, that's about right. You all started going to Cincinnati and Philly. I think the first time I heard about the first time I heard about anyone in our circle doing heroin was like after a rave or something in, in Philly. And God, we should do a whole episode on raves because <laughs> the shit has done change. There ain't nothing like a 1990s rave uh, going on now. But I remember hearing that, that, you know, a couple guys had gotten some dope up in Philly and I was like flabbergasted. I was floored. I'm like, who the fuck does heroin? Well, actually that was me. <laughs> um, I'll tell the story too. Um, so we were going to Philly to go to the biggest rave ever on the East Coast at the time. Um, I think there was ten thousand people at the rave. It was huge. Glow sticks as far as the eye can see. You know it. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, being in Philly, which at the time I believe was the heroin capital of the world, you know, we decided well, we can't go to Philly and not do heroin, right? So my two buddies, I actually didn't go with them, but they went down to the, the hood and just started driving around asking people, uh, stopped this one kid. He was like, Hey, uh, we're looking for some heroin or might've called it dog food. I believe that was the slang back then. Hey, you got any dog food? Kid was like, nah, man, this is the weed street. You got to go over to fifth and Cambria for that. <laughs> so over to fifth and Cambria, they went and found a, a local vendor and said, let me get a bundle, which is 10 bags of heroin. Hmm. 10 bags? Yeah, well, for three of y'all? Yeah, well, a bag is essentially like one dose. Okay. Hmm. Okay. And they're. And anything worth doing since. And they're doing right. And, <laughs> At and, least and, three times the, a piece, right? In the big cities back then, they uh, packaged them up in these little wax papers and they had stamps on them so you knew what crew they were from. Yeah. And this stuff had Trinidad stamped on it. And so go back to the, they go back to the hotel where I'm at, where I'm waiting and like, look what we got. And, uh, the local vendor also threw in a couple of extra bags for buying so much. So you had never done heroin at this point? Was this like Not the first all. time you'd, you'd ever? Very first time I ever did heroin. Okay. Hmm. Uh, I, at that time had probably done Lord tabs, probably some Oxycontin. Had you ever but, shot up pills? No, not at all. Okay. And uh, the first time we did that in Philly, we didn't shoot it up. We snorted it. So we're snorting heroin all weekend. And um, the last day, basically, I spent the entire day in the hotel sleeping on the toilet because if I moved at all, I would throw up. <laughs> uh, that's how sick I was after doing all this stuff. And that could like have been because it was poisoned train spotting or something. Style, yes. Yeah. Like straight up train spotting style. Yes, it was terrible. And uh, I think they might have gone back one more time and gotten one more bundle. Wow. And so we did this stuff all weekend, and um, it was absolutely terrible. You think that would turn anyone off of doing that ever yeah, again? Yeah, so what happened? I mean, you came, you came back home after, after Philly. And obviously, there's no dope back in back in Lexington. Was it like, were you automatically hooked? Was that it? Was no, that... it was uh, actually several years later before I got full on. But that's junkie mind. that's what like lowered the barrier to heroin. You know, I yeah, did, yeah. Shit, I was up in Philly. I did all kinds of heroin. Yeah, yeah. So yeah like, exactly. Now it's not a big deal. Exactly. Yeah. And did you go, when you when you came back? I mean, were you in a full fledged addiction at that point, or was it no. were you just flirting with pills now and again? Like, yeah. Well. well Back then, we were going to raves, so we were doing all kinds of different drugs. It wasn't right, one so exclusively right. or... So you came back, and, and it's not like you were dope sick or anything. Exactly, like and you, I could have been sick. withdrawals, like... I could have been sick because of some cut they put in it that was 
poison or right, something. Right, right. Well, mean, and it's, it's, you know, oxy, when I was on the Oxycontins, it was not unusual uh, for me to be sick, you know, feel sick from, from taking too many of them. I mean, that's, you yeah. know, that's just kind of part of the high, I guess. Uh, I don't know about heroin. I've never done heroin. so All opiates have the potential to upset your stomach and make you nauseous. Yeah, yeah. Gonna say, I would imagine at some point, like, you're bumping up against, like, the, the th- you know, you talked about the threshold of, like, uh, you know, what you can take. But, you, yeah, you dump that much stuff in your system. Yeah, it's going to get you a little out of whack. Yeah, you know? fair enough. So, you know, it's it's interesting. You were talking about, <laughs> I mean, you, you slept on the toilet. Is is yeah, like like you would sleep on your desk in class with my head over yeah. the hole. And see, and that's one of the things that I've I've never really been able to understand is, you know, you you got stories like that. You got stories like you know Tony with his gun. You've got uh, just some of the, you know, being around you and, and and other friends that we had that got hooked on stuff. Some of the just wild stories uh, that they would tell, and and you listen and you hear all this like drama and, and plotting and stuff that's in their life. They're like, well, you know, if I can, if I can go over here and I can, and I can get some money and then I'm a, I'm gonna take Rachel up cause she hadn't got her tags yet. And then, and then we're going to go over and pick up mama and take her to the check cash and play. And it always, it always got me. I'm like, man, at some point, like, aren't you just tired of all that shit in your life? Like, like how does that, how, were you aware of that? Or was that just like you accepted? Like, that was just part of life. I was absolutely aware of it, and of course I hated it. But when you're addicted to something as strong as heroin, the addiction takes priority over everything else. So right. I would do anything I could to get that money, even if I had to drive Mama to the check so, cash and So place. what did you do? I mean, you said at one point you shot up $320 worth of dope. I mean, I've never known you to have, like, a really good job. How the hell did you get money for, for all this dope? I sold drugs to get money. Wow. Lots? I mean, are we talking like... No, I mean, was it because just like, I, cu- I couldn't keep a hold of lots of it because I did it. Right, so you were like selling to people just I, to I get would, your fix. Yeah, back then you had to drive to Cincinnati to get it, as I said earlier, you, you know, in any sort of sizable quantity. Right. You know, yeah. and so I would take people's money because I was one of the few people that knew where to go in Cincinnati to get it. Yeah, you had would, the guy. Yeah, I yeah. had the guy, which actually... Got that guy because another junkie ripped me off, and I told him to make it even. He could give me his hookup, <laughs> and that's how I let him square up with me. And then me and that guy were the only people with any kind of hookup up there. So, yeah. So that, that story is amazing to me in and of itself, just the idea that you're – because, I mean, it's, it's not like you, you take days off, right, from heroin. I mean, like you every day. Right. Uh, if you do take a day off, it's an absolutely terrible day. Right. So you're just you're just. I mean, it's a, what, what is it? An hour, an hour and a half to Cincinnati. Yeah. Yeah. You're just driving up and down the highway, high as shit. Uh, you know, going back and forth and and, and have stuff in the car. Like uh, to me, I mean, I, I don't didn't know. I, you wait? I, I remember you got a car from your grandmother or something and yeah. wrecked it, knotted out on dope. Was that coming back from? Uh, actually, that was on my way up there one day and. I was actually really dope sick because being dope sick affects your, your sensory motor skills, skills yeah. and motor skills also. So I was dope sick and I was driving on the highway. And at the time, uh, two of the four lanes were under construction and the lanes on the left were about an inch and a half, two inches higher than the lanes on the right that you drove on. And it was sectioned off by orange barrels. Yeah. So I... I didn't nod out, but I spaced out or something and went up on that, you know, slight embankment 
uh, took out about three orange barrels, cut my wheel really hard, but I cut it too hard and went back across both lanes of traffic, uh, saw a semi truck barreling right at me that I managed to not hit, uh, go in the grass, do like a half circle and slam into the guardrail at the bottom of this exit. Just so happened, there was a state trooper on the right side of the road with someone pulled over at the base of that exit, not 30 feet from me. So I get out, I look at my car, I'm like, well, let's see what happens. And I get back in my car, it starts, so I back up in the grass, wait to be able to get back on the highway, then get back on and go right up the ramp past this uh, state trooper to go to the gas station because I needed bungee cords to tie my bumper up. (laughs) And... I guess he was looking down, filling out a report, <laughs> and, you know, I got lucky. Yeah. Wow. Uh, I believe I actually had warrants in that county at the time. Wow. Warrants you, for dope? Uh, no, just for tickets, speeding, and oh, okay. failure to appear in court. And actually, over the, nature. you know, speaking of nodding out behind the wheel, like, over the last, uh, I think, year and a half, I've heard... I don't know, seven or eight stories of people just straight nodded out at a red light. Yeah, man. Just just cold-blooded, just, just passed we were, out. In fact, I was picking my son up from school one day, and I can only assume that this guy was on dope. You know, the parents would line up around the block, mm-hmm. and you had, like, cars honking and honking. I got out of the car, went and looked at him, and he's just, you know, head down. <laughs> Wow. You know, drooling on himself and you know, bang, 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 knock on the window. He's, you know, okay, okay. And he goes, but like, that's where we are now. Like, yeah, that's you're, you're picking your kids up from school and you're too high to drive your fucking car. And that kid yeah. is getting in the car and going home with you. Like, yeah, it's absurd. It's absurd. Yeah. And, and, and it's, I, you see more and more story like, you know, that's what we're talking about. The prominence. I remember uh, just a couple years ago, uh, there was a town in some small county in Kentucky, but, you know, they still have, like, a active uh, Main Street. Like, you know, Main Street's everything to this town. And so all the cars are parked on Main Street. Well, <laughs> I guess uh, two junkies uh, got on, like, uh, dollies, little roller dollies or whatever, slid down the street under each car and removed all the catalytic converters <laughs> from every car on both sides of main street. I think those will fetch you like 60, 80 bucks a piece. Yeah. Something, something like that. <laughs> Not to mention the, the copper stories. I mean, you know, people, uh, 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 just straight up like uninstalling air conditioners, right. just going through and cutting the copper so they can take it. You, you have to actually now for my job, uh, every so often we have to go and turn in scrap copper and it's this crazy. You got to show your ID They've wow. got to log you, you know. It's, it's like it's buying Sudafed now. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, pretty much. We actually uh, knew a guy that owned a home, then got really bad off on drugs, and tore all the copper wiring out of the walls of his home. Jeez, wow. Man. Wow, you remember his own that? home, I do, yeah. Yeah, I do. Out of his own home. I can't, I cannot imagine the depths of despair that drives someone to that. Like, I live here. Ah, we don't need electric. I need dope. I can't. Well, I mean, I can't. Like, it's hard for me to to imagine that not being the wake up call. Like the day you ripped all the copper out of the walls. Right. You know. I mean, like it's. And that fella is clean, as I as I. Understand oh really? I, yeah. Good for him. Yeah, I think he's uh, he's clean and upstanding and raising a family. Well, that's good to hear. Yeah, I think. Well, you so. know, un- unfortunately, I mean, that is good to hear. But unfortunately, as you know, we all know all too well, it means I mean, you are the exception. Like I thought, I was I was so. Uh, relieved and excited 
um, to find out that you ended up uh, getting off dope. And actually, how did how did that come to be? How did that come about? Well, um, I actually got arrested two times in Boone County. Um, got arrested the first time. My parents got me out on bail. Uh, never showed back up to court. Got arrested again for bail jumping and the exact same set of paraphernalia and drug possession charges that I got the first time. And so at that point, my parents put their house up to get me a good lawyer so that I hopefully wouldn't go to jail for 15 or 20 years. And uh, wound up getting uh, five years probation and six months of actual jail time. Now, the second time I got arrested, I spent probably a month in jail. The judge refused to set me any kind of bond because Mm -hmm. I... You know, I'm a flight risk because I, you know, got a bail jumping already in that case. So it wasn't until after my parents let me sit in there for a while and got me a lawyer that I was able to get out. Well, me and my infinite wisdom of a junkie uh, went out and immediately started doing drugs again. (laughs) Like immediately, like the second you get out of jail? second I got You've already gone through withdrawals, like you're you're well again? Yeah. (laughs) And I immediately start doing drugs again. um, And... You know, I was also actually going to NA meetings at the time because my mom's one condition on bailing me out and getting me a lawyer was that I go to NA meetings. Sure. And, uh, you know, NA didn't really work for me. It's worked for plenty of people. And why not? What I mean, it seems like. Well, for me, I was in a room full of junkies that I knew. We were all looking for an excuse to go get high. Wow. And so, you know, it's pretty easy to talk a junkie into wanting to go get high. And it just wasn't a healthy thing for me. It is for some people, and it totally works for some people, and some people it totally does not work. Mm-hmm. So I think it was two or three weeks after being out, I, I had some sort of revelation that you know my parents could lose their house because mm-hmm. of me continuing to do drugs. Yeah. And uh, I actually moved all my stuff out of the girl I was dating uh, out of her house at the time, or our house which we were lucky to have because I believe at that house we didn't pay rent one time. What? Um, and lived there for better part of a year. Wow. And I had some sort of epiphany, and I had a good buddy that was like, look, if you're serious, you can come stay with me, but you have to get a job. You have to take care of yourself. If I even suspect that you're doing that stuff, you're out immediately. Mm-hmm. And I was fortunate to have that. Uh, I was very fortunate to have a bunch of friends that, once I got clean, we're right there waiting for me, just like well, you. Well, it's funny. That's the first time I'd heard from you in years, because there was a point, like we said, we 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 kicked you out of the group, and and essentially, you know, I decided, and we we kind of had a powwow, if I recall correctly, we had like an intervention style powwow to talk about, you know, what are we going to do about about beans, and we decided like we can't hold on to you anymore. You know, I stopped answering your calls, and and I think I think I, we had a conversation about it first. Um, but essentially, we all just decided to cut you out of our lives, like we were tired of dealing with the bullshit. Um, and then all of a sudden, I hear from you, and you're like, um, you know, I've moved in with uh, with our good buddy, and um, you know, he's helping me get clean. And I'm like, oh yeah, here we go, here we go, bullshit. But I was willing to step up, and I remember you called me like every single day to check in with me. Like constantly, you would call yeah. me just to say, like, "Hey, I'm doing good." It made me so happy, man. Just to, yeah. you know, just well, to I was be there. Very like, fortunate to have a, a good support group to fall back on. Fortunately, since I sold drugs, I didn't steal from all my friends, so I still had <laughs> friends once I got clean. Right. You know, and that 
that the isolation of not having friends was one of the big factors that led me to get clean too. Cause I mean, these are people I'd known for a decade or longer in some cases. And did your mom cut you out too? I mean, did your family, my mom didn't completely cut me out. Um, my pops pretty much told me, don't show your face around here. Uh, my mom would still talk to me. She still paid for my phone bill. Would she give you money? She got to the point to where she wouldn't give me money. Yeah. You know, I would, I, I can't, I can't even imagine like, you know, how, how does a mom like just straight up, you know, say, go get fucked. Right. Kid. You right. know what I mean? It's almost impossible. Like, like I've actually, um, it, it, I'm glad that we're talking about this cause I've always wondered, um, you know, with, with you and then another good friend of mine who, who, you know, got uh, really addicted to painkillers and stuff. Ultimately, that's, you're right. That's the decision that I made that, you know, you made is that there comes a time where you, you just have to say, Hey, you know, I've, I've tried to talk to you about it. I've tried to do what I can. You're not listening. It's, you know, you're endangering me and the people I, you know, other people I know, and I'm just going to have to cut you off. But the, the second that you're ready, um, to come back, you know, holler at me, I'll be here for you. I'll help you. You know, it's just, but while you choose to do this, I can't do this. I've actually suggested that, um, to somebody I know whose child's going through that. And at the same time, I mean, like, you know, while I'm sitting there telling them that I'm like, I don't know how you do it. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how you, how you look at your baby and say, you know, yeah, I've got someone really close to me going through the exact same situation and he's stolen from family. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's been hard to have him at, uh, at Christmas events and Thanksgiving events and stuff. And, um, yeah, at some point, like, you face that down and you're like, this is my kid. I love him and I want to support him. But at what point does that love and support turn into co-signing this self-destructive, crazy behavior? You know, mm. how do you, how the hell do you balance those things as a parent? And, and maybe, maybe your mom did it, did it well. You know I mean? She kept in contact with you. You know, she made sure she could, if she paid your phone bill, you know, she made sure she could get a hold That's of you. That's why she paid my phone Or bill. you could right. get a hold of her in yeah. case of like yeah. dire emergency. Yeah. But, but cutting off the money supply is a scary thing for a parent, especially. But if you don't, you're just enabling. You well. Know? Yeah. And, but in a parent's mind, they think, well, if I don't give him the money, he's going to go steal. Exactly. Or he's going to yeah. go sell drugs. Exactly. Or... He's going to kick in a door and get shot. You know what I'm saying? But the I... thing about being a junkie is you'll get the money one way or another. And someone handing you a bunch of money is not helping you get clean. Right. If, yeah. if you, if you've got a reliable source that will hand you money every time you need to get high, then you're going to do that and yeah. you're going to continue to get high. And at a certain point you have to remove yourself from enabling that situation. And if they go off and get money other ways, you know, they're going to do that. But that's the point where you're like, look, I love you but I'm not going to watch you kill yourself and I'm not going to enable you to kill yourself. And I think as the, from the, from the point of view of that enabler, Mike, you have to realize that the money you're giving them has just as much potential to kill them as, as whatever the activity. Exactly. Yeah, as, yeah. The, as the robbery you're trying to prevent, like, no, you are, especially now that fentanyl has hit the scene. Yeah, yeah. And I'm, I'm really lucky that I went through it when I did because you know, I don't, I'd already be dead now. You, you can't do seven, you know, years worth of heroin and not die. You are going to hit yeah. a, actually, a little pocket of fentanyl. Actually, let's, uh, let's just take a quick time out. No, no. Um, what, what is fentanyl? Um, fentanyl is a synthetic opiate and I, 
don't know how it's manufactured, but it's uh, essentially a hundred times stronger than heroin. And there's another version of it now called carfentanil, car which is uh, about a hundred times stronger than than fentanyl. And that's and, the one that cops are afraid of, like getting on their fingers. Yeah, or inhaling, being in a room in, like, that it's in. And so, uh, like when we're seeing, uh, isn't there a, a special on Netflix or, or uh, something about like Dope Town talking yeah. about the, the paramedics? Yeah, that's Ohio. what I was. Yeah. So that that's specific. You know, that's this new upsurge of overdose, yeah, overdose deaths. Uh, is due to the the fentanyl and the car fentanyl. Yeah, yeah, and there's a there's a picture. It should be pretty easy to find online that shows you a lethal dose of heroin next to a lethal dose of fentanyl and next to a lethal dose of car fentanyl. You know, and the heroin's like half of this little vial or whatever. The the fentanyl's like just a little bit in the tiny bottom of this vial, and the car fentanyl is literally you know a countable number of granules. Oh wow! Like just any, if you get three specks of that in your shot, you're toast, you oh, know, or, or seven specks of it in your shot, you're, you're done. Yeah. You know, and it's to the point to where, uh, believe drug dogs have actually overdosed and died just from inhaling it. Didn't wow. they just make a, like two kilo bust or something? Of fentanyl? Uh, yeah, they did. Uh, that was in New York. Uh, the people who had it wrapped in fish fillets and, uh, yeah, it was, uh, I believe I might be wrong, but I believe it was a hundred million dollars street value of Holy fentanyl. Holy crap! Man. So the market—I mean, for them to have that much, the market's got to be huge. So these these dealers that are talking about, like, you know, I guess preparing hot shots or, or killing killing one to to draw the crowd, like that's got to be happening across the nation, man. It oh, has yeah. to be yeah. it, for for someone to have well, two I mean, I keys. Think, I think that Netflix special—that's in Ohio, isn't it? Yeah, Ohio. I mean, yeah, you know, we're, we're not we're not talking about New York here. Uh, Hamilton County is the absolute epicenter of the opioid epidemic. It's really? the I believe it has more deaths than anywhere else. Maybe not total deaths, but per right? capita. Yeah, it's yeah, Cincinnati. Hamilton County. Yeah. yeah, that's just across the river so, from us. So getting back getting back to it, do you think that if if you're somebody who has a, a loved one or a friend? Um, who's going through that, do you think that, you know, cutting them out or, or, you know, basically laying out that ultimatum, I mean, do you think that's like the only valid way? To, a- to absolutely. absolutely. At least in your experience, yeah. Absolutely, because a junkie's going to be a junkie until they decide not to be. You can't force someone to stop doing drugs. You can't just give them money and expect them to stop doing drugs, and you can't do anything else but walk away and you know like i said my mom kept in contact with me uh here and there i really didn't keep much contact with her probably because i was ashamed of myself but that ultimately you know i just got sick of no one wanting to talk to me and all the people i associated with weren't my friends they were all junkies we're all just using each other for whatever we could and you know i wanted my friends and my family back so that's funny like because because heroin really, the people I know who have been most most affected and most addicted, it has a tendency to like, at least on the surface, you know, appear like you don't care about anything. But you're saying that even in the depths of your heroin addiction, there came a point where you did care, where you got care back. Like, what was it while you were high? Was it? You know, I don't remember the specifics of it because those years of my life were so cloudy. Uh, what I can say is that junkies always want to get clean 
Like I, I wanted to get clean every single day. I just couldn't do it. That's heartbreaking, uh, dude. You know, my, my withdrawals were so bad because of the amount of heroin I'd been doing for so long that uh, it probably took me every bit of a year before I was able to, like, sleep through a whole night. Uh, generally, I would sleep for about four or five hours and wake up and not be able to go back to sleep. The actual physical withdrawals probably lasted every bit of three months of being uncomfortable, you know, not being able to sleep more than two hours. You're you're hot, you're cold, you're hot, you're cold. Um, you can never get in a comfortable position at all. Um, it's, you know, like the flu times a thousand. And you know all you have to do to make it stop. Is go get just, some heroin. Just go get and, some and, heroin. And not only will it stop, you're going to feel real good. Right. Yeah. You know, and that's another thing about heroin addiction is when I first started doing opiates, I could do an OC and boy, I'd be high as a kite all day long. And by the end of it, I was doing as much heroin as I could get a hold of and not even getting high anymore. Just, you know, just, just normal. Just to yeah. get rid of the dope sickness and not feel absolutely terrible. I mean, I couldn't even get high hardly. And it, it's twisted how it turns the tables on you like that from being this thing. It's like, I can do one of these and feel great all day. And I don't feel sick the next day to, I have to do as much of this stuff as I can possibly get a hold of. And I'm going to keep doing it. And hopefully at some certain point, maybe I'll get high. Yeah. But at yeah. least I'll get better. But at least I won't be sick anymore. Exactly. Wow. I know um, some people, I mean, you were, you were able to get clean uh, more or less. I mean, that's cold turkey, yeah? I mean, you were... Sort of. Uh, I kind of got clean the wrong way. Uh, I started drinking a whole lot, which also happens to former heroin addicts because alcohol is everywhere. Yeah. And, you know, I would get, you know, as drunk as I could so I could actually get some sleep. Mm. You know, I'd get really drunk so I could get two or three hours of sleep. And I was—I yeah. know there was a period of time where you kind of battled with that addiction as well. Yeah, absolutely. And again, to any addicts listening, don't do that. Yeah. Uh, it's a terrible way to get clean. It worked for me, but it was the absolute worst way to get clean. Well, then, I, on the other hand, though, I mean, there are some people who, who do use a substitute. We have another, uh, you know, friend who, who uh, went the methadone route, and... Uh, you know he's been he's been doing that. Yeah, he's been he's been clean for two years now. Uh, he's taking care of his family, and and he was absolutely at the very depths of addiction. You know, I mean, yeah. stealing from people, absolutely stealing from his family. Um, and he's know. he's holding a job now. I mean, I, I got to tell years. you, I mean, I, I'm specifically close with him, and I never thought he was gonna hold a job and excel at it. I mean, he's he's excelling at it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, methadone is a part of his life. I, I don't, I don't, I don't really know. Like the pro is is the goal with methadone? Do you eventually get away from it, you know, or I is it? I think there is an idea out there, and maybe Beans can clarify um, that that you'll wean off methadone eventually. Mm -hmm. But as I understand it, methadone withdrawal is a real thing as well, and yeah. some uh, people it, consider it harder to kick than heroin. Absolutely, right? that's what I was gonna say. Um, Methadone withdrawal is 100% harder to kick than heroin. That's mm. that's wild. But at the same time, like this guy, he goes and gets his methadone every day, and it's a large enough dose to, I guess, keep him high all day. Um, I've never seen him nod out in the two years right. that he's been uh, better, if you will. But, you know, he, he gets his dose, and he and he goes to work, and he's fine mm -hmm. with it, and he, he takes care of his responsibilities. So 
and he's not he doesn't have to worry about the hot shot and the fentanyl. He knows what he's getting every time. Yeah. So to me, like there's there's some value in that. If we can, you know, if we can accept functional addicts in society, maybe that's maybe that's an acceptable uh, well, compromise with, with the rate. Yeah, I mean, like with with what we're experiencing, we obviously need to do something, and maybe that is a component of the correct answer. You know, you were talking about legalization. And, you know, one of the benefits to legalization is that uh, you have oversight. You have, you know, a Right, a he's got to check in way. every single day. Right, you know? absolutely. So, and, you know, hopefully that cuts out a lot of, uh, uh, a lot of the, the crazier scheming and, and, you know, robbing and, 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 you know, what have you that comes along with it. Yeah. So, uh, but Beans, I, w- I wanted to hear a little bit about, like, so what is life been like for you day to day you know you mentioned that you you kind of well you got addicted to alcohol there for a while but outside of that now that you know you've kind of moved past that um i mean what's it like you know being a, a, a reformed junkie uh it's wonderful um i don't have to worry about going to jail constantly uh i don't have to constantly scheme to get money i you know i don't have to worry like you said about the hot shots you know um that you know there's some downsides it's still dog me from being a junkie uh for one uh i got felony charges for possession uh actually didn't even get caught with anything they just tested my spoon and charged me for the residue but you know i now have felony charges that are still with me Uh, i can't vote i would really like to be able to vote and i can't do it um you know i i can get a passport but there's a lot of countries that won't let you in with felonies. Wow, no kidding. Really? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Canada specifically, uh, they won't let you in if you've ever had a DUI. You can't go to Canada. Holy smokes! And that's how hard they are about just DUIs. You know, when you're talking about possession of heroin and stuff, uh, Japan, for example, for instance, won't let any felons in. Period. Uh, they turned like not away even to visit. Like. Yeah, they turned away Paris Hilton back in the day you know <laughs> when, when she Any excuse to turn down Paris Hilton is well, a good one in my book but at the time <laughs> she was one of the biggest superstars on the planet and right. they wouldn't even let her in so you know there's some things that that still plague me from hey, my at least day. you're consistent yeah yeah exactly uh you know there, there's some things that still plague me from my time as a junkie but you know all in all it's you know a hundred million times better than yeah. it ever was being a junkie you know it it is hard though, like here afterwards having to deal with, you know, like what, and I and I say this not to not to in any way co opt like what you went through, but in a way like I look at that last uh, eighteen years of our life as like the you know this thing that like we all kind of went through in one form or another. You know, you you were right there on the front lines. I was I was me me and sense were surrounded by. I would say upwards of, of 16, 17, 20 friends. Oh, easily. You know, easily. And and Beans, you got off the hook, man. We have friends who are in the ground right now. And, and I yeah. don't think I've got fingers on my hands to count the number of friends who are now, you know, and, and I say friends loosely, um, you know, associates. People uh, you grew people, up with. People we grew up with, people we went to school with. Um dead and gone because of it yeah and i'm absolutely lucky that i'm not in the same situation um i actually lost my very best friend in the world to heroin and when i got the news uh i went and did all the heroin i had which fortunately wasn't that much or else i could have been right there with him and uh you know i've lost several of my oldest and dearest friends to it and 
you know, it's, it's hard to cope with that sometimes. And, you know, sometimes I feel guilty about all the drugs I sold, you know, I, yeah. to my knowledge, no one ever died off of anything they got for me, but I feel bad for taking a part and wrecking those people's lives. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, you. Were, yeah, I mean, it at least perpetuated their addiction. If not, absolutely, you know, and yeah. and you have to, to fuel once mine. you once yeah. you play that game, like you're you're all partners in getting your fix, right? I mean, you'd yeah. go collect money to, uh, you know, you had to have enough money to make your buy. So, like, in a way, you are forced to co-opt other people, like, and and influence them, and 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 maybe they're like they're not feeling it today, and they're feeling like, oh, maybe maybe today's the day I quit, and then you give them a call, and you're like. Hey, I'm making a run, you know. Uh, so, like in a way, all the community is 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 pushing itself, you know, to expand and and mm. and get bigger. Yeah, and you know, me personally, you know, I had some morals about it. I never ever sold to someone that wasn't doing it already. Anyway, uh, I never uh, gave anyone their first hit or anything like that. Uh, I never showed anybody to, how to shoot up because. You know, I sold to some kids that would just snort it, and sometimes they'd ask me, hey, well, how do you shoot up? And I'd be like, not going to tell you. And if I hear you're doing it, I'll cut you off, you know? So, I mean, I had a certain amount of morals to it. But the first thing I did when I woke up was start scrolling through my contacts and seeing, oh, uh, so-and-so got paid today. I know they're going to want some. Or You had their pay schedules like, at, on at, your calendar. Absolutely. <laughs> and I would just scroll through contacts, cold call people. Like you said, I'd be like, hey, I'm making a run. Do you want me to pick you anything up? You know, and then I'd go get money from whoever was stupid enough to give me money or addicted enough to give me money and bring them back substantially less than they paid for. (laughs) Yeah. So the, the, the morals and the, and the whatnot that lasted up until it fucked with what you needed. You know what I mean? Yeah, Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I was able to maintain and keep my morals. Now, if a situation had occurred to where I couldn't, then that might've changed. I'm very glad it didn't, but you know, there it is. Yeah. I remember uh, we, we, we had a friend who, uh, who just passed away recently, actually. And I remember uh, he, me and him were, uh, yeah, we were close, but, uh, you know, we'd known each other a long time. But, like, we weren't super close, you know. I mean, we weren't, you know. And uh, I remember I heard um, somebody had told me that he had said that the only time that he was happy uh, was when he was on heroin. And... I was just like, God damn, that's like the worst thing I've ever heard in my life. You know what I mean? Like, it really got me because that's somebody who had, uh, you know, he had kicked it at at one point and then gotten back on it, you know. And uh, I remember for whatever reason one night I went and I, I picked him up at work and I was giving him a ride home. And I just, I looked at him for a minute and I was like, hey, man, um, you know, I heard this about you and I don't know you know, what you got going on and everything, man. But if, if you need help, if you need anything, let's do something about it because that's, you know, that's terrible. And I remember watching him, like, after after that night, you know, we did, he, he never took me up on it, said it wasn't no big deal, you know. Uh, and I remember watching him slide the rest of the way out until he died. Like, I remember, you know, seeing him, uh, next thing you know, he couldn't hold a job. And then uh, whenever you'd see him, he was just a, a bumbling wreck. And yeah, and then eventually he passed away, and and it, uh, man, it like it, 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 the the guilt 
and and like it just it like it rips it rips a hole in in everything, man. It rips a hole in your life, in your parents' life. And when you your, say guilt, you mean life. like could you have done more? Like you said, yeah. Something like to I him mean, once, we, you know, but... we talked earlier that, that that's kind of that's kind of the mo. You know, I mean, like I, I with him it was once. You know, with other people that I hung out with more. I definitely, you know, said said things to them more. But then, you know, there comes a time where you, you let them go out there and you let them fly and, and, and do what they're going to do. We've had full-fledged and, interventions. I mean, full-fledged yeah, full yeah, interventions. We had, uh, Lord, it was like a 30-person deep intervention for That's right. people and, one time. You know, we were talking about going and kicking in people's doors and taking them out of the dope game, you yeah. know? Like, we were serious about it because it was destroying our community. Yeah. You know, this was probably at the beginning of the really heavy upsurge in heroin use. And I had already been clean at that point. And there were several people very close to me. I'm not going to go into details to respect their privacy, but people extremely close to me that were going through it. And I did not want to see it happen again. You know? Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's what I'm saying. I think everyone, um, everyone is, is, is getting touched by this. You know, it's, it's, it's ripping, so many people, so many families, so many friendships apart, and it's leaving massive holes. You know, I wonder, uh, especially about your your best friend that you were talking about. I wonder how, uh, you, you know, uh, the the music, the you know, our, our like music careers. I wonder how different it would have been if he would have been there, or I wonder, uh, you know, how different. Uh, just various things in my life would have been like if everybody around me wasn't on dope or on this or on that. And then I also think about, you know, the fact that, you know, you said you're, you're shadowy on that whole section of, of your life, you know, and then our other friends, I, one friend, you know, I tell him stories all the time and he's like, I have no idea what you're talking about. He's like, I don't remember that at all. And I was, I was just like, God, man, like, that was, that was like the prime of our life. You know, that was like 18 to, to 28. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's, you know, Oof, and it's gone. gone. It's gone, man. Yeah. Well, I think it's time to wrap up this episode and I feel kind of bad cuz like again this is I feel like I'm left in this place like where there are no answers, you know. There's a couple like yeah, try try methadone and you know, cut people out cut people out of your lives and stop enabling them and you know, try NA and and all this. But like we really we don't have an answer for this problem as a society. It's and it's getting bigger every year. We, we don't yet. I think now we're finally to the point where, um, you know, it's 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 garnering enough attention. Uh, you know, not to, you know, we promised that we were going to kind of stay away from politics and stuff this episode. But, uh, you know, it, it sounds like it fell apart and that it wasn't very well thought out to begin with. But, uh, in fairness, Trump had put together an opioid panel. You know, now I'm sure he did that as lip service, but you know, but, but I mean like there it's, it's, you know, there is that social, that program I was talking about for grandparents. Yeah. Like it is something that people are starting to see that we're going to have to, you know, react to. And I think the most important thing is actually, it's going to be reaching the kids. And cause I mean, that's at least in my experience, that's, you know, that's where it started and being like, no, nah, man, no, heroin is bad. Like, yeah. it's no, you don't understand. Like, sit down for a minute. You you just don't get it. It's bad. Like, you know, and I think that coupled with... The kids never listen, man. Kid, I mean, kids never I listen. Mean, I mean, I, I think they... I think 
as as much as we just sat here and said that you know we had all these friends who did eventually, uh, we all went jump through in. there. You know, I, I, yeah, well, dare. I don't. I, I'm not talking about dare. I'm talking about us. Like I'm talking about like you know me talking to my kids. Yeah. Uh, and and this this next generation and the generation after it as they come through and I don't I don't necessarily mean generation I'm talking about people ten years younger than us just pass it down man like pass it down like like do do the kind of stuff that we were trying to do like have interventions for your friends man right like you know I mean give it a shot before you cut them out like yeah. you know do what you can and if you've been through it tell all the terrible stories from when you went through it you know. They might not listen then, but they might listen when someone's like, hey, do you want to do this bump of heroin? Like, yeah. You know, you no, know, they no, might no. be like, no, nah, you know, Beans said that, you know, it got pretty bad for him. Like, you know, yeah. I don't I, don't, I don't think that's a little too dangerous, you know, and it, it, it might work and it might not. And they might do the bump anyway. And we didn't yeah. even touch some of the more horrific stories. I mean, honestly, um, you know, there's stories of, of people bringing you back from the brinks of death that we that we probably should have talked about today, in all honesty. Um, I mean, you've been on the brink of death from heroin overdose. Um, I can't even count the amount of times that I woke up from being overdosed with a needle in my arm, and it was hours and hours later. Um, my my parents had this unfinished attic that I kind of converted into my own little heroin den, and there was countless times that I would go in there, do some, and just wake up, and it, hours had gone by, and I'm sitting there with, you know, a needle still in my arm. Hanging out of your arm. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of times, you know, you would use a tourniquet to get your veins to pop out. If, you know, you use a tourniquet, pass out with a tourniquet on, you might lose your whole arm, and I actually know someone that lost his arm. I don't know the details, but I would imagine that's probably There was a point in time you lost full use of your arm, wasn't there? That actually yeah. had nothing to do with it. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I, I fell asleep in a chair because I was high on heroin and fell asleep on my arm in the wrong way to where I killed a nerve in it. Okay. Mm. So, But a heroin was involved, I guess, yeah. indirectly. indirectly. It was indirectly because of so, uh, but I, I think that's that's probably the most important thing is is um, you know we we do need eventually we are going to need a program or system maybe it's legalization maybe it's uh, you know increasing the money that goes to to clinics and everything else but this is all that stuff needs to come along we can talk about it you know at the hell it'll probably be another episode of this show yeah but at, as people. It, you, your cousins, your sisters, your 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 sons, your your uncles, you know, you've all got to talk to each other, man. I mean, you, you really got to get this Yeah, this across. isn't something that, that we need to leave in the closet. And, yeah. you know, we need to take some of the some of the stigma away from it. Uh, and hell, I mean, you almost have to at some point. It, it gets so big. Like I said, I doubt there's a single listener out there who doesn't have someone one step away from them. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that, that hasn't been touched. I, I just, I doubt it. Absolutely. Well, uh, I think that is going to uh, wrap us for today. Uh, Benzo, uh, I mean, you were a part of the episode. Did you, uh, did you notice anything we messed up today? Nope. It was absolutely perfect. Oh, oh I, I see how you're going to My be. part was anyway. <laughs> uh well guys uh i hope you enjoyed the episode i hope you enjoyed uh, uh switching up the pace uh maybe uh 
you know, we'll try uh, in the future to see if we can, uh, you know, bring other guests on. And maybe yeah, this was our first uh, first foray into having a guest on the show. Uh, I wanted to uh, I wanted to take a quick aside uh, before we leave and give a special thank you to uh, Taylor Swift. <laughs> you jumped the gun. Uh, no, I want to give a special thank you to Ageless Czar, Source of Course, and everyone else, uh, Master Rabbit, who has. Uh, either left us reviews on iTunes or help you know push us on Twitter or whatever. We, we really appreciate uh, all the support, guys, and uh, you know it's you're going to be a big part of uh, you know this being a success. So we really appreciate it, guys. Uh, thanks a million. So uh, with that said, and with the Taylor Swift dropped, uh, we'll see you next week. <laughs>